Hi, welcome to the Vape Week. My name is Ed Wolf, and you can reach me at vapingindustry at gmail.com, vapingindustry at gmail.com. Uh, this is what I'm calling uh, season one, the finale, uh, the finale of the scenarios. And what I'm going to do uh, is go through uh, what I see as the various scenarios for many of the topics that I've been talking about and uh, put that together in a shorter time frame. Uh, I did a show on Friday that was three and a half hours long, and this is the summary of that uh, presentation. I may go back and put that presentation, the three and hours, and cut it down and make it into a show of itself, but uh, I found out some new information uh, that I think actually negates some of the some of the scenarios, if you will, uh, that, that I'm talking about here. So I'm going to go and focus on that and uh, whether or not I come back to uh, put the rest of the show up, uh, I'll figure that out later. So go ahead and take a listen to this. I think it's a good summary. I think I go through uh, it in a pretty logical way, and I uh, hope it will be of use to you and your businesses. Thanks. Welcome to the vape week number 17, the finale, the finale of the scenarios. So uh, this uh, episode covers, uh, basically distills some things down together and uh, basically goes over what would be the outcomes over different events. For example, if the Cole Bishop bill fails or passes, and uh, if if everything doesn't pass. So I'm going to talk about that real quickly. Um, the show started off uh, when I began before the, uh, the final rule dropped. Um, and so I was talking about different things there, and now it's dropped. And uh, a lot of it has been concerned... Uh, with just the interpretations of the deeming, uh, the things that have been wrong in it. And so I think if you scan through the old episodes, there's a lot of information there um, that should be worthwhile. Uh, going forward, uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Um, I think that some of these topics uh, were... Things are going to be the way they are. Uh, I, I don't think uh, there's going to be radical changes to anything that's going on until after the Cole Bishop bill is uh, finally dispositioned. I expect that to happen in the next month. Um, so I'll figure it out from where, uh, from, from, I will figure out what I want to do with the show going forward based off of current events. Uh, but I don't want to get just, uh, just too encumbered with this stuff because people are going to do what they're going to do. Um, and, you know, a lot of businesses need to make decisions. I've tried to make this whole uh, broadcast to be focused on the businesses uh, because I think that the vaping businesses a and their treatment of their customers are the people that are the most concerned with the longevity of this industry. Uh, if you're just concerned about vaping uh, to get people off smokers, that's going to happen uh, by any number of means, but it but what's at jeopardy is the nature of the community that we have now. Uh, and so that, when, I, when I'm when i saying that, I'm really talking about the vape shops uh, and the whole vape shop model. Um, and I see, th as I've talked to you uh, before about the Cole Bishop bill, I think it's, I think there's, it's a major attack on the distribution model of the vape shops. 
and uh, there'll be people that will say that, oh, look at these uh, these amendments that uh, were were gone over through and 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 put in by uh, RJR. Uh, you know, Dimitri, uh, as I played in the last episode, uh, said, oh, well, you can't prove that. Uh, well, I I think that that there's a lot of naivete of of VTA and Dimitri about the process which they're involved in. And so uh, when somebody starts up something, uh, they have sort of a, a duty to make sure that it, it goes right. If you're a scientist and you're playing with bacteria, you have a, you have a duty to make sure that bacteria doesn't get out. Um, and so it's something that was, which was uh, when we, when I studied in school, it was presented as uh, a zero to infinity risk in science. And that, is either nothing happens and everything's great, you know, or uh, the scientists, you know, uh, create the Andromeda strain and uh, the whole globe is wiped out. Uh, and I kind of feel that what VTA is doing is is somewhat in that line, that their, their association with tobacco and uh, that they're just thinking that they can launch this stuff off into the, the Congress without ramifications... Um, I just think that they're playing around. And and the way I got signaled to that is when the Cole Bishop bill was presented, it was presented as a means to ban flavors as a category-wide system. And, uh, you know, I've been in this vaping community for oh, about three and a half years. So as I've said before, I think there's the old guard, the middle guard, and the newbies. Uh, and the newbies would be like one to two years. I consider myself in the middle. I know full well that there's people that have been out there much longer th- than me. But to see uh, the way that VTA is just uh, kind of toss this stuff out into the Congress. Uh, I heard Tony that go on Dimitri's show and he said, uh, you know, that uh, they rolled up their sleeves and they got it done. I'm not convinced at all that uh, Tony Aboond is a uh, qualified, bright or whatever uh, type of individual. I know he's worked as a tobacco lobbyist, but, uh, you know, it's the same thing with the zero infinity risk. If somebody picks something up and they're, they're putting a whole community at that risk, uh, stuff that could really, really harm them. Uh, I I don't consider that person uh, prudent or wise. So uh, you know, there's all sorts of different types. There's uh, you know, there's people that are clever, people that are smart. But I don't see a lot of wisdom right there with Tony right now. And uh, if he wants to prove it differently, uh, I guess he has that opportunity. We'll we'll find out quickly what happens with Cole Bishop. But uh, to me, it looks like an uncontrolled process, uh, a roll of the dice. And uh, the guy's out of Chicago, which is fine and dandy and everything. But if this guy had skills, don't you think that Chicago, the city itself, wouldn't be so fucked as it is right now? I mean, uh, if you sell an a a eighteen dollar product in uh, Chicago right now, there's an $18 tax on it. So uh, the cheapest bottles you're finding out there is like 36 bucks, And that's half of it is going to taxes. So if this guy had skills, don't you think that in Chicago that he would have, have it solved or, or, or defended against it? Because apparently they've been working on this stuff before. Uh, you know, they, they claim that they were organized last year in 2015. So he's not even checking his own backyard. Um, and I haven't heard any proposal by VTA to, to help out the situation in Chicago. So I, you know, I, I, I watch a whole city get, you know, <laughs> leveled. And it's Tony Boone's and, and VTA's home turf. And then these guys are saying, yeah, we'll, we'll come out and uh, we'll do it for the country. Uh, 
you know, call me stupid, call me an idiot, call me a stupid idiot, but I don't have faith in either VTA or Tony Abund. And so, uh, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, I got banned out of several groups because I wrote an open letter to the industry. Uh, you know, just an open letter, stuck it out on Facebook, and I went through all the reasons why I thought the Cole Bishop amendments were were dangerous. And it, it I, I, I felt it important enough to take a position that uh, that said that I, even if it comes with a predicate date change, I don't want the Cole Bishop amendments because of the risk that I see in there. And that's a pretty radical thing uh, to say that. Uh, you wouldn't want a predicate date change. And uh, I've kind of, in this episode, go through it. Uh, And that's basically because of what you would have to do under, if you get a grandfather date change, the way that you actually get your new products on the market is going to be near the same costs, 75%, 50%, somewhere in that range, of what it would cost for an entire PMTA. And there's a lot of people that are ignorant on how a process industry works. The, the first application is going to cost X amount. And then the uh, second application is going to be, uh, you know, one over uh, eight of that cost. And the next one will be, uh, you know, one-tenth of that cost. Uh, and then it'll stabilize, and it'll be that for each of your other flavors. Uh, there's a, a bunch of bozos out there, unfortunately, that are claiming that each SKU is going to cost the same exact amount uh, to make, uh, to do. Uh, it's, to the, it's to the point where the FDA is calling these advocates in our industry idiots in public through their press guy. <laughs> They're just laughing at us uh, because of this. So it, for the people that are doing the lawsuits, when they're going in with this 99%, the judge is going to listen to the FDA saying, these guys are full of shit. It's not going to cost $2 million a product. It's not going to cost $5 million a product. And each product is not going to cost the same. So I put out that letter to the industry, and I kind of went over some things like that, and uh, I got banned. So, uh, uh, you know, thanks to the VP Live Network and a guy named Kevin and a guy named Russ, who are the oldest podcasters in the business, I'm lucky enough to at least have this vehicle uh, to express myself. And and so far, I have uh, all the faith in them that uh, they're not going to ban expression like these guys uh, on... uh, on Facebook do. Uh, I guess the guy's name is AJ Mole and Chase Richardson. Uh, you know, they banned me out of fucking groups. Uh, so, uh, as I said in a previous ep- episode, Butthurt is my name. So, what, what I'll do now is trying to go over uh, a, just a little bit of a decision tree type of thing of what the various finale scenarios would be. Alright, so first the situation today. The Demi has dropped. Everybody has till August 8th to keep their products onto the market uh, and get new products onto the market. And for all of those products, uh, if they do not contain nicotine, they are not covered by the Tobacco Control Act. So items like hardware without nicotine sold as a finished good product are outside of the Tobacco Control Act. Uh, Whoever tells you otherwise, uh, I don't know why they're still doing it. Uh, It said that in the original 2014 document. It's still said now. And... uh, I think the FDA is probably so frustrated with the same ignorant questions that they're just 
all they can do is answer the correct way and uh, let people uh, get their thrills off, I guess. Uh, for example, uh, there's one section in there that says, if, it ha- if it's a tobacco product and it does not contain nicotine, it must be labeled that it's a tobacco product. And th- that doesn't that make sense? If you, if you break it down as a sentence, if, if you've ever done algebra, if you've ever taken a sentence, uh, you know, centennial logic uh, or any cl- class in logic, I mean, it's if it is a tobacco product and it does not contain nicotine, it must be labeled that it contains tobacco. And people are all bent out of shape. So I gave one uh, example of if it is decaffeinated coffee, it is still coffee. So anyway, for things with e-liquid, they will be regulated. And what will, what it will take for the products that are, I don't know what we're going to call it, the temporary grandfathering, uh, they'll all stay on the market for two years. And then if you have, uh, if you put in your application, it should be another year that you'll have. There's a little bit of fungible uh, interpretations in there but essentially you'll have three years if you put in your application and it's a legitimate application so uh, for the vape shops now there's no change for two years zero change for two years Uh, they'll get new hardware and they'll have all the same e-liquids and so I think that if a if a vape shop is interested in diversity of, of the flavors that they might uh, can one flavor and put in a new flavor. They'll still be able to keep a rotation of freshness for their customers by picking and choosing different products still. They'll keep their best sellers and they'll bring in new ones. So for vape shops, two years. So uh, some people have said that vape shops are running away real fast. And there could be something in it like that in California that uh, some vape shop owners have overexpanded. And uh, because of the age, the 21 age uh, requirement that they've seen maybe 20% of their business fall off. And so if they've oversaturated an area, it's going to make sense to close down some vape shops. Um, I don't, I think the vapor market is still expanding and I think it'll continue to expand. Um, and so we've already got uh, various different devices out there, and uh, I don't think we're I don't think we're hurting right now for the technology, uh, not when we're c- considering it vapor. So that'll happen, uh, and then uh, there's other certain dates. By the end of this year, you'll have to register your manufacturing facilities. Now, uh, you do not if you're a vapor shop. Currently, there's no plan to have you regulated uh, by the FDA. So retailers are are out. The only people that are in are manufacturing. So if you're manufacturing as a retailer, you're treated as a manufacturing. Uh, the retailer part is just incidental. So what else is there in that? Then there's various dates. Now, the expected cost of a PMTA, um, we'll just leave that out uh, for this section. And uh, as I've said before, uh, I'm trying to organize a group of people together to uh work on PMTAs to lower the cost uh, for some sort of pragmatic solution uh, based off of pure pragmatism. Just just whatever, you know, whatever it's going to take, uh, whichever trajectory hits the target. So that's the current situation today. Uh, there's some other things in there, but I think most people have seen the dates. Um, and so like, there are a couple other things. Uh, if you want to create 
a substantial equivalency to a grandfathered product, you are going to have to in some way, and this is what I believe, if somebody, you know, regulatory guys want to change me on this, I'd be certainly willing to listen, but if you are going to do a substantial equivalence to a grandfathered product, you are going to have to produce documentation that shows what that grandfathered product is. You're not going to just be able to say, look, you know, I've got a label in a bottle, I'm just like that. You're going to have to show documentation of the ingredients, the toxicology, and and everything else. Uh, so a substantial equivalence is not just a, a, you know, that's why I'm saying it's going to cost between 50 and 75% of what a PMTA is going to cost. Um, you'll have to establish what your grandfathered product is and then say that your that your new product is equivalent so you'll have to do that work is what i'm saying um and then whatever some other things no i think that's it so that's the situation today today uh so the cole bishop uh changes the predicate date and so the predicate date means that instead of this two years that we have now that that two years is essentially forever for the grandfathered products. And so uh, the, the, the market will essentially be frozen uh, with its grandfathering forevermore. Uh, and when I mean frozen, I mean that's they'll be allowed to stay on the market forevermore uh, as opposed to the two to three years that we're, we just talked about. In addition to that item, and there's nothing wrong with that item, and that item... As it turns out, will be the third thing we're talking about. That's what I just said. The predicate date change is HR 2058. So the Cole Bishop has HR 2058 in it, and then it has some other things. The other things is a national database of uh, of every single vapor product retailer in the United States, and it comes with a kicker, which means that anybody can get that list uh, by asking for it to the FDA. So anti-vaping groups, city councils, state legislatures, people like Leno, uh, people like these uh, public health groups that sue people will all have access to that list. Uh, and also in the Cole Bishop Amendment uh, that uh, the bill's authors, authors say that it can go after flavors. And uh, we're not quite sure uh, why they're saying that, but they totally are saying it. Um, and I, my latest conjecture, maybe... Maybe they were anticipated that the uh, red line document that Safada published, uh, that the FDA had uh, originally submitted to the OMB, that uh, the flavors uh, were going to be part of it uh, and would have only left tobacco uh, type of flavorings. Uh, that, that Maybe there was something going on there. But anyway, they did say that it would be able to go after flavors. Uh, and they also said that it would give the FDA increased uh, abilities to regulate powers that they don't currently have. So when you look at the bill, it talks about batteries, and uh, and the thing with batteries is if you regulate the battery, you're regulating every part of the hardware. You can't have battery safety without considering the hardware itself. So there's a lot of ways that that particular items can expand. Uh, then there's labeling requirements. Now, everybody thinks that, you know, just a labeling requirement, like keep out of the reach of children, underage sales prohibited, all that stuff is fine. Then it says an accurate statement of nicotine. Now, the problem with that is that if it's accurate, you can measure it. So the FDA can measure it. And it, there could be a, a way where they're saying that if your process is off by 
20% of what your label is, uh, that they're going to say that it's not inaccurate. And that's a big problem because the enforcement angle of that label is this, a vapor product that violates the section shall be deemed to be misbranded under section 903 of the food, drug and cosmetic act. And that means that it cannot be sold and it cannot be taken across state lines. So if you uh, screw up your titration, um, get ready to have your products sent into the dumpster. Um, and so what I think, and I'll go through, or if I haven't, or if in, I think maybe in my last episode, uh, I mentioned that I think that word accurate was inserted by the big tobacco people because they have the manufacturing capability to have much stringent levels, more stringent levels of consistency. Um, and as I've also said, is that because nicotine is a self regulating consumable that a person will titrate their own vaping experience due to the amount of cessation uh, or a satisfaction they get from the nicotine. Uh, you know when you've, when you've smoked too much, you know when you vape too much. You, know, you get a little bit of nausea perhaps, you might get a little bit of a headache, uh, but it's just like the thirst mechanism. You know when you're satisfied and you know when to drink more. So even if something were to be slightly off on the nicotine level, <clears throat> I do not think uh, it, is a, it is something that, uh, that I'm all worried about. Uh, sure, if somebody puts out... Uh, it says it's three and it comes out as 24, that's going to be a real bad problem. And I think your customer's going to tell you real fast. It's in taste for somebody vaping three to getting in 24, they'll know on their first, you know, on their first vape, they'll know. It also removes the ability. Uh, this is called Bishop again. This is option two uh, of the three I'm going through. It, it removes the certain f- uh, free speech items uh, as far as uh, where you can advertise in which publications. And it says simply, other publication. It talks about uh, various things, and then it talks about other publication. Uh, in in the last episode, I described how I've gone over to the, uh, you know, the United States Patent Office .gov, and they cite case law and precedent, which establishes that the, at least in the terms of publications, that print publication and the internet are synonymous under the eyes of the law. And so if that's the case, I then said, look, if you look at the MSA and there's no Marlboro ads anywhere on uh, the Internet and the MSA was written kind of pre-Internet, I doubt I doubt that the language of the Internet was put in there. However, you still see no Marlboro ads. So I, I just think that if you're talking about a publication, you're talking about the Internet as well. So we're a small industry right now, but look, we, we might grow and, and just eat up all of smokers, right? It would be fantastic, right? Well, if, you, if this amendment goes through, uh, you can kiss normal advertising goodbye. So you're giving up a right. Some people say, oh, well, I was never going to advertise in a magazine or on the Internet anyway. And I'm, so, I'm sure that's fine for you. But that doesn't mean that everybody else needs to give up their rights. So uh, then the other one is uh, the product standards, and and that's the Cole Bishop amendments. So what do I think that's going to happen? I think that uh, uh, it's it's passed now the House at a 31 to 19 vote, and it's going over to the Senate. The Senate's now going to consider it. Uh, What I think is the most likely scenario is that the predicate part of that bill is going to be stripped out, and everything else will be passed by the Senate, and then it's going to be sent back to the House and... uh, 
the House members are going to go, well, all of these things were what was what the vapors wanted. They wanted all of these things. They all told us that they wanted reasonable regulations, and, and here they're going to get, uh, you know, seven out of the eight that they wanted. So, you know, congratulations to them. We're happy we can satisfy them, and the House passes it. And then it gets sent over to President Obama. And President Obama has already said he'll veto a predicate change. But these other items in the bill are not the things that he's going to veto. He has no, he has expressed no interest in vetoing, vetoing these things. And doubly concerning is that all of the anti-vaping groups have expressed zero interest in having these items uh, be vetoed. So I think the highest probability of the Cole Bishop effort uh, by Tony in this in this zero to infinity risk uh, type of item is that this thing's going to get passed with everything but the predicate date change. So then if that happens, it's everything that I went through in the first scenario, the, 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 the today situation, and then you get these additional regulations. Oh, and the last thing I forgot about the Cole Bishop Amendment is it, it, there's a product called t- tobacco-free nicotine, and the Cole Bishop uh, addresses that product kind of specifically, and it says that everything that was once written for tobacco, for tobacco and then thus nicotine, because nicotine is a derivative of tobacco, uh, the Tobacco Control Act controls tobacco. The, what the Cole Bishop uh, bill, it creates a new standard, a vapor product standard, and it creates, it, it legislates anything with nicotine. So just think of it as right now with the current Tobacco Control Act, nicotine is considered tobacco and they can regulate because it's tobacco. With the Cole Bishop Amendment, it's nicotine is nicotine and they can regulate it because it's nicotine. So it's just a contingency uh, that is being removed right away. Um, And then, you know, when I go down to the bottom of this bill and I read that the sponsors of this bill are not just Tony, uh, not just VTA, uh, that they're not the only people that have their fingers all over this. Uh, It's the cigar associations. It's Sweetest Match, National Tobacco, uh, General Cigar, uh, Vapor Technology, Altria, R.J. Reynolds, a convenience Distribution Association of America. And uh, I, I'm really interested in that one because, uh, again, I think that this bill is going after the vapor distribution, that the people that control the uh, convenience and the gas station channels are not too uh, real happy that their business is, uh, is going to these small independent vape shops. So I think this is... Uh, I think that's why one of the reasons why you see that national database of every single vape shop in the country being created by the FDA. That, and here's the language for what it says. Uh, what what uh, here's the the national database of every single vape shop says public access to registration information. The secretary shall make available for inspection to any person, any person so requesting, any registration filed under the section. They give it all up. It's, that's that's anybody walks up, they get it all. That's it's it's very very clear. Uh, that law is not very complicated. Uh, so that's that's one of the things. So I again, I think that the the first uh, first most likely scenario is that you have the predicate date chain, uh, predicate date ripped out of the bill, and all those other things flush forward. So in that case, 
what and so in the backdrop of all of this vta dimitri and then some of these other people like kevin skipper uh, i think the guy's name is matt cully uh, suck my mod guy and some of these other people are basically saying look uh there's no chance in hell that hr 2058 is gonna do uh go ahead it's it's just a dead bill it's dead uh and uh, just give up, even though more, you know, it has now, I believe, 60 people that have joined onto it, even though it's gaining more co-authors uh, to to the bill. They're saying, oh, it's dead. Just just forget it. Oh, and then and like Kevin Skipper said, oh, yeah, just just go ahead and you can kind of support it. But just realize that just the whole thing's dead. It's never going to pass. Well, under the scenario that I just went through, which is that the predicate date is ripped out of the Cole Bishop Amendment and the... Uh, President Obama signs it into law. Uh, at that point, the only thing left to su- to satisfy anything is HR twenty fifty eight. Now, sure, uh, you're going to have to. It, it's going to be complicated. But after on January, I think it's sixteenth or January eighth, uh, there will be a new president. So. Who knows what will go on with the signatures? I do see the problem that some of you other people are saying right there. I do see that. So the other option is that the predicate date uh, is left in. So, um, well, that I want, that'll be the last scenario. I'll go with uh, the whole thing fails. Uh, the whole the whole thing just fails. Cole Bishop fails. At that point. H.R. 2058, again, is the sole survivor. It's the one thing that keeps on going. So uh, there's two scenarios for the Cole Bishop bill where H.R. 2058 is the is the last gas. It's it's the last it's the last option if if Cole Bishop fails. So that's if the predicate date is ripped out, and then if it just fails out route. The next option, uh, the last and and the most least likely, the most least likely, the highest least likely. Yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, is that the pretty uh, okay? That the whole thing passes just exactly as written, uh, and Senate takes it over, sends it over to the House, and then everybody, uh, it's passed, and Obama signs it into law. At that point, then you have the predicate date change that's in. You have all the other nasty little items that come along with it. We've already talked about those. But then at that point with the predicate date change is that you're still going to have to submit your SEs and create a sort of a, a pseudo PMTA for your SE application to go against. You're still going to have to do those costs. And then for all new products that come on the market, you're going to have to still file all those applications. So there, there's going to be that same amount of applications. Now, what I'm just saying to you people is that the cost of an SE and a PMTA done for a single company for all of their products is not going to be radically, radically different. So if you have, you do your PMTA, your first one, and then you do all of your other products. If you do that and you do versus you do an SE against your own grandfathered product and that grandfathered product you have to document everything that was in your original grandfathered product that those two items are not radically different in cost and that's going to be the only way uh, that you're going to get your new products on on board so if you're in, if you're if you're like a vapor company that has 50 flavors and they want to continue to sell those exact same 50 flavors uh, then the predicate date change is good for you. Surely it is. However, 
there are some things that when I'm when I was talking about this in the last episode, if I was I'm thinking out loud, it might be this episode. I'm a little bit confused, but that if a product is non-compliant to the packaging standards that are required by the act and that product is grandfathered one of those things is going to have to win out because you're not going to be able to have a grandfathered product that is non-compliant with the law that would be so basically how about this i've got a a bottle and and it's grandfathered and it says uh it, it's got a a pop off cap there's no safety cap on it whatsoever you just screw it on screw it off uh the label is just terrible it has no warnings on it whatsoever uh and uh the, all of the the printing on it is in just tiny tiny fonts you can barely read it and uh you know just to to make it really you know classic is that the nicotine count is marked in with a sharpie that's the the quality control it's the nicotine count is written in as a sharpie now that's grandfathered right but i don't think it's I think they're going to have angles to throw that out as a grandfathered product because it's non-compliant with the standard. And as you'll hear in this show, this is where I'm really upset about the smoke-free network, uh, the radio hosts like Knocknor. Knocknor is calling the uh, the webinar ladies uh, that I thought at least answered very frankly to the questions posed to them. And I'll tell you one thing: that they were getting posed some pretty stupid questions, but they answered them. They answered them legalistically uh you know you they asked a yes and no question that was a stupid yes and no question and they got a yes and no answer and then they moved right on to the next but he called these women bimbos and uh that later on in this show you'll hear dimitri uh attacking mitch zeller again and this is the guy that uh he went in there with a whole bunch of different companies uh back about eh, about a year ago uh maybe about nine months ago uh he went within some with other companies, and the first thing he did is he went to his smoke-free radio show and said, hey, yeah, Mitch Zeller, I can tell the guy, you know, just look at his eyes, look at his face. You can tell he's a liar. And those are fighting words in a lot of places, so I don't know why you're trying to piss off the guy that's going to make the decision whether a grandfathered product that is grandfathered, everybody agrees that it's grandfathered, except it doesn't have its little foil tamper evidence, uh, you know, seal around it. One of those things isn't a win, and obviously what you want is you want the FDA to say, we understand it's grandfathered, and we understand that you want to do an improvement to your packaging, and we're going to allow that. Now, that's what you want them to do, and that's what I will be asking them. I'll be asking for those things. But, you know, if you piss these guys off so much that they're just going to have no interest in doing it and tell you all to put, go pound sand, that's what, you know, VTA, uh, the uh, CVO USA, and some of these Chinese companies are just radically risking. So that's that's the, the third case. So there's the today situation. There's Cole Bishop with three scenarios. Uh, finales if you will uh one is the predicate date stays in one is the predicate date goes out i think that the predicate date goes out and then we're left with all of these nasty little attachments to it and that's what happens is by far the most likely scenario just because stanley glance and and ucsf and and some of these anti-vaping groups they're for those amendments 
they're against the predicate date, but they want everything else. And I think they're going to get it because of the haphazard way that Tony Aboond and uh, this VTA group has just tossed this stuff onto the fireplace. You know, um, it's you're, it's just a haphazard little fire here, and uh, people are going to get burned by it. That's what I think. Uh, and then the the last option is HR twenty fifty eight. So uh, it's it's going to be the surviving item uh, when the Cole Bishop thing goes first, and so uh, it'll either pass or fail. And uh, we already know what will happen with that. the The key message is on most of the scenarios of the Cole Bishop bill you still want H.R. 2058 to survive. And so the lack of support that is being given to H.R. 2058 is a problem. So I'll just go over a couple other things and let them then at this point let the show run. Uh, And that's, I just found out that, uh, you know, that V2, VMR Products, is actually a Chinese company. It's uh, the majority of the company is owned by a Chinese businessman who uh, cuts a deal with the tobacco companies in China. Um, And so he sells flavorings that gets used in tobacco products. And tobacco products in China is a a $200 billion industry. They got a lot of people over there. I think it's like 1.6 billion or something. So uh, 200 billion uh, is not that big of a deal. (laughs) You know, 200 bucks a year for a smoker, 200 billion real fast. Um, Anyway, so VMR uh, is part of uh, this, this, the Chinese contingent going about advocacy now in this country. I don't know what to think of that. I don't know what to make out of that. I just know how other manufacturing industries have been treated by the Chinese in this country. And that is predatory pricing and that they get rid of people. Uh, you know, the, the manufacturing leaves. It's now to the point where when you think of doing manufacturing, you just think of, of, of shopping it out to China as your only option. I mean, it's, it's, that's the only option. Uh, it's so... If VMR is that way, V2 that way, you've got these other Chinese companies coming in. Do I think that the Chinese are a direct threat to the small, medium, and large e-liquid makers in the in the United States? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if these companies come in, there's nothing preventing them from ha- having products that survive and they, they've got the cash to, behind them. So, uh, you know, V2, uh, you know, liquids are already in a lot of different head shops. They, they've got pretty good distribution. So that, that lead liquid's already made in China. So, uh, you know, if you want to get in bed with tobacco uh, and, and V2 is a Chinese tobacco company at this point, uh, and, and you can look at the article in Forbes. Uh, it's on the newsstands right now. Um, I don't know what to make of the Chinese. Uh, I don't know what to make of V2, uh, sorry, VTA. I do not believe that uh, Demetrius Agrifonis, the chairman of Sevia USA, the secretary of Vista, and the chief operating officer of Mountain Oak Vapors is being an earnest, genuine person with his representations of how this VTA Safada split occurred and why the TSFA has left uh, Safada. I do not believe that the characterizations that are being portrayed out to the vaping community by Demetrius 
comport with the reality of the accounts of the many other people that witnessed this. He knows it, I know it, and Bob Dole knows it too. All right, so I'll let the show run. <laughs> 